and welcome to The Healed Podcast, the place where we can talk about all things food, body, and mind from an anti-diet and weight-inclusive lens. My name is Marie-Pierre, or you can call me Marie, and I am your host. I'm a registered dietitian with a background in psychology, and I specialize in food relationship and body image. And I am the founder and CEO of The Balance Practice, a treatment center for eating disorder and disordered eating. Every week on the podcast, you will hear from myself, the team at The Balance Practice, and other providers who have dedicated their careers in supporting folks to have better relationship with food and their bodies. On this podcast, we aim to provide a safe space to have these deep and juicy conversations regarding eating disorder, disordered eating recovery, health, relationship, body image, and honestly, anything we believe will support you in living your big, beautiful life. We believe in the power of healing, and hopefully this podcast will be a great addition to your toolbox in your healing journey. Thank you for tuning in today, and let's get to the podcast. Welcome back to the Healed Podcast, where we talk about all things food, body, and mind from an anti-diet and weight-inclusive perspective. And I am your host, Marie. You can also call me Marie-Pierre. And I'm really glad to be here with you today. I hope that we are all doing so great today. And before we get into today's podcast episode, just wanting to do a check-in that today we are going to be talking about physical activity and eating disorder and disordered eating recovery. So before I get into this podcast episode, I do want to say that this episode is meant to just be educational and informative for you. But I do want to say that, you know, physical activity is a really personal thing. And if it fits into your current life, it's going to be very dependent on your own treatment and where you are at. There's no wrong way or right way to do it. There's just an individualized way and what will be best for you. So although today, you know, I'll be giving a lot of information regarding physical activity and how it gets kind of intertwined with our disordered eating patterns and how to incorporate in treatment or not incorporate in treatment, I really want you to connect with yourself and just check in on how it feels for you. I think with diet culture, there's often this pressure of movement needing to be a priority and needing to be something that you need to do. And this whole like hierarchy of like good exercises and the intensity and all the things and it can get quite confusing and overwhelming. So I just want this to be, you know, a safe space for us to talk about movement and how it fits into our everyday life, especially when we are in recovery, but and also post-recovery and how that can look like for us. So movement is something that I am personally really passionate about because for me, it has always been a pretty big part of my life. So as a teen, I definitely am someone who I was very attracted to sports and moving and wanting to be part of a team and wanting to, you know, play different sports. And I always really, really enjoyed it. And as I moved, you know, through my later teens, movement had become a bigger part of my life. But then it also started to be very coupled with my eating disorder. And we see this with a lot of clients where eating disorder symptoms can very much include physical activity and excessive physical activity. And this was definitely my lived experience as well. And through recovery and post-recovery, there was a period where I needed to heal my relationship with movement and redefine my relationship with movement to find a way that movement can fit into my life in the way that feels very aligned and very, you know, pro-recovery. So again, in this podcast, I'm hoping to provide a lot of information regarding 
healing movement and how and when to incorporate it, but always checking in with yourself. So let's start a little bit with talking about how movement and disordered eating slash eating disorder can start merging together. So I do want to start by talking a little bit about how like diet culture and fitness culture merge together, because I think that really sets the stage for the way that we start maybe using exercise in a disordered eating way. So we probably have heard of diet culture. We've talked about diet culture multiple times on this podcast, but diet culture is really this set of beliefs that is very oppressive um, on people of all body sizes, but especially folks who live in larger body size. It demonizes foods. It praises the thin ideal. It attaches our worth to our weight. It attaches a lot of worth to like weight loss journeys and a way to like increase our own like social status. So it very much is about food and body and eating behaviors and patterns. Ultimately, it's kind of like this idea of like dieting to be thin is the most praised thing. Fitness culture is more about the exercise component of things. So although there is a lot of food involvement in it, right, like eating clean and eating like protein and like building muscle and like toning up and like all of these things. Fitness culture is really about this like idea of movement being the most valuable thing and being fit being the most valuable thing. And your fitness level is an indication of your worth as a human, right? And a little bit of this idea of like no pain, no gain that is very like hard um, and harsh, I should say. And then when both of these diet culture and fitness culture meet, we kind of have this like perfect storm of like disordered eating patterns. So where food, body and fitness kind of all intertwine towards this goal of like thinness and fitness at the cost of our own health, our mental health, our social health, our physical health, all of the above. But for all of these components, like diet culture and fitness culture, there's a lot of this is tied to like value and our own value system and what we value and what the system tells us we should value um, and how we start to see our ourselves as well. So there often is like this like unattainable goal that we are continuously trying to reach forever and ever and ever. So we can see that if somebody has disordered eating tendencies or an eating disorder, when we maybe are dieting because of the way we feel in our body and now we include fitness in our journey and we kind of move the path of like the eating spectrum towards developing an eating disorder, fitness can easily become one of the disordered behaviors that the person may have. We often will see folks with eating disorder, disordered eating, use excessive amount of exercises, which is basically just more exercise than the body would need with the intention of, quote unquote, burning energy or just moving more to burn more calories. And it, again, being very excessive. We also see folks using exercise as a way to compensate for maybe food eaten or maybe even how we feel, a way to cope with difficult emotions. We also see exercise as a way to earn maybe certain foods. So, you know, doing some type of exercise before a dinner or something along those lines that is 100% disordered. And we see that exercise starts to take quite a big space in the person's day. So oftentimes exercise and nutrition can kind of start being mixed together in eating disorder world because for a lot of the eating disorders that are on the restrictive type, fitness can be used as a tool to kind of engage in the eating disorder, right? To try to expand more energy. The cost of that 
realize that when we are expending energy that we don't have, it is extremely harmful to the body and to our mind and to our health in general. So it's pretty clear when like fitness becomes part of an eating disorder, because at that time, fitness is actually harming the person more than helping the person. So I'd like to talk a little bit about how does movement fit into treatments? And then we'll talk a little bit about when maybe it should be included versus excluded. And then how do we heal our relationship with movement? So in terms of treatment of an eating disorder, most places and most guidelines will suggest the cessation of exercise during beginning of treatment, especially if we are not medically stable, which makes sense when we think about it, right? Like if you are in a space where the body is not safe, we're not meeting our needs. And on top of that, we are adding movement that is taking away energy from the body, we are putting in ourselves in a very dangerous situation. So at that time in treatment, when your body is like absolutely needing energy to survive, exercise may be put on hold. And this can be really hard for many folks, especially like, you know, exercise can be definitely part of the disordered eating. And for some folks, it's kind of like a dual thing where it's like, it's part of my eating disorder, but also it's really helpful for my mental health. And it's a way that I cope or I'm part of a team and I feel like I belong there. So there is a lot of nuances to this. That being said, if moving will cause you harm, we will most likely have to put it on hold for a little bit, even if that's really difficult. In my practice and at the balance practice, we do recognize that, you know, physical activity can also have a lot of benefits in recovery and can become a pro recovery activity. It is a process and we do want, if it's something that's important to the person, we do want to re-include it as fast as we can. First some folks, if it's impossible to exclude, we will work with that. But the goal will be to re-include it when we can. Because again, physical activity can be very supportive in the sense that it can help us regulate emotion and stress. It can be a way that we learn to connect with the body that we have. It can be a way that we connect with other folks, right? Like if you are on a team or something along those lines or so movement in itself is not bad. It's the intention and how we use movement that we do need to work towards. In treatment, if you have an eating disorder, if we are adding movement and if movement is part of your plan, it we will just have to like update the treatment plan and make sure that your body has the appropriate nourishment to meet your needs to include the sports or whatever you are adding in. So I would say it's not a one size fits all. And it's really interesting because we do get quite a lot of clients who are calling like, I do want to get support for my eating disorder, but I don't want to stop my sport. And we do not approach recovery from a one size fits all. We are (laughs) very client centered in the sense that we will work with you. We will challenge the ED and we're not going to cater to the ED. But that being said, we do believe that there can be a benefit to you to continue to include physical activity if it is something that you want to do. Now, when we are reintroducing it, we do need to heal our relationship to movement. So a lot of it has to do with the intention that we have behind movement. So why are we choosing to move our body? And if we're choosing to move our body for a disordered reason, we may pause, we may change, we may reframe, we need we need to do some work there. But we want to be sure that we are connecting with movement differently after recovery, during recovery, right? Movement is not a tool to shift and change your body. 
Hey, hey, I'm just quickly stopping this podcast episode to let you know that this podcast was sponsored by the Balance Program. The Balance Program is a six-month group online program that was designed and created by myself to support you in healing your relationship with food and your body. In the Balance Program, we work through our mindset and ditching the diet mentality. We work through making peace with food, understanding emotional eating, cravings, and how to nourish your body adequately. We also work through body image and coming home to our body so we can feel connected and aligned day to day. And we work on health outside of diet culture. So how to continue to manage our own health outside of diet culture with no disorder, with no shame or guilt. If you are interested in learning more about the balance program, you can go to www.thebalancepractice.com forward slash program and you can join us today. The doors are currently open for enrollment and I would love to support you over the next six months in healing your relationship with food and your body. Movement can be a way, again, to connect, to de-stress, to sleep better, to, you know, take care of the body. Like there can be so many benefits to the movement, but we want to be able to decouple it from weight goals and body goals. And this doesn't happen overnight. I know I'm saying it like we're doing it in the session, but no, like this does take time and that's okay. But it is something that we work towards, right? Because if we want movement to be part of our life long term, we do need to make sure that we do have value aligned motivation behind it. And it's something that is actually supportive for us and not harming us, right? All good things, even if it's like, even if movement is a good thing, too much of it can be very harmful. So we do want to be extremely, you know, conscientious of that to be able to see when it, where it fits in. But once we kind of check on the intention, then we may challenge different rules. So some folks become very rigid around exercise. And again, this is part of disordered of the eating disorder, but the rigidity can show up in like the frequency. So like I need to work out seven days a week, like that rigidity will be challenged, but it can also show up in the duration of the exercise. It can also show up in the intensity of the exercise and the type of exercise. So we really want to be sure that we are developing routines around movement that are a lot more flexible, that can meet different body needs. That is not just one thing all the time in this very precise way. And with some clients, for example, I had one of my client that it always had to be 30 minutes. So we did some different challenges around like today we're going to work out for like 22 minutes, 26 minutes, 32 minutes, 28 minutes, and like just never keeping the number the same because truly like for the body, it doesn't matter. These are all rules that we came up with that in our brain and our disorder tells us is like the only thing and the, we must be doing that to get blah, 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 blah. 30 versus 32 minutes, 28 versus 30. Like it's really irrelevant at the end of the day, but we do need to do some exposure to really kind of work through those things just to make sure that it is supportive. Then we really believe in using exercise as a way to connect with your body. So again, movement is kind of like a way that we force ourselves to be in our body because there can be different sensation that comes with exercise, right? Like day to day, if I'm sitting here right now doing this podcast, it's very easy for me to not think about the physical body that I live in because I'm here 
with my headphones on, with my mic on, just talking with you. And I'm not necessarily like feeling my body, right? My body just is currently in this state. However, if I go take a walk with my dog, then I may start to like feel my feet touching the ground. I may start feeling like my ankles and my knees and my calves and my thighs. If I'm like moving my arms as I'm walking, I may feel like the movement there, right? If I'm going uphill, I'm going to start feeling like my heart in my chest. So movement allows us this opportunity to connect with our body. And we can use that to our advantage when we are healing our relationship with food, body, and physical activity. So those are all things that we will be taking into account as we are moving through treatment. Obviously being trauma-informed and respecting your boundaries and where we're at and all of these things, but to ideally being able to figure out how does fitness fit into your life once we are in recovery once we are recovered. Now, a couple of things that I do want to name here is number one, fitness can also be off the table for a while and that's okay too. And not only from the perspective of like if your treatment, like if it competes with the energy your body requires and may be off, but also there's a lot of folks that may actually have an aversion to movement when they are doing recovery or when they are healing. And I've seen this quite a lot in my practice, almost as much as like excessive, it's hard to say, but like we do see that quite a lot where maybe for a while when you were chronic dieter or when maybe we were in that kind of phase, movement was used as a tool to control, to compensate, to punish, to earn. And our association with physical activity can be quite negative. Maybe where you were, like the way that you motivated yourself to train was through shame, right? Maybe you shamed yourself through movement. And for a while, maybe that worked when you were dieting or in the midst of your eating disorder. But now as we are healing, you may be in a space where we kind of have that aversion to movement where we do not want to engage in physical activity. And I want to give you permission, space and grace to know that that's totally okay. And it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. It doesn't mean that that's going to last forever. It means that you need a break. Right. And that we probably need to do some work around, you know, your journey with physical activity and how you relate to it and really even explore the values and like, is it something that's important? Is it something that's not important? And like, are both okay? And I know that some of my clients have felt quite a lot of shame for like, oh, but like, I used to do all of this and now I don't want to. Like, it's really hard for me to want to go to a gym. And one, you never need one type of exercise, right? Like, there's never one thing that you absolutely need. And it's okay if. If you need to pause for an extended period of time to let your body and mind heal, to discover what you want to do, what you like, how you like to move. Like maybe you never liked the gym and maybe that's why you don't want to go back. And that that may be 100% okay. But we may just need to be in a space where we explore and we see like, okay, so what would I like to do, right? And like, that's the part that's really neat. And I know I had to experience this after my recovery too, is kind of figuring out like, what do I actually like? And what do I actually not like? What was my eating disorder? And what is me? (laughs) It's a fun journey. Healing is a fun journey. But we get to do that with movement too, right? And like explore like, do I like to play tennis? Do I like to go for walks? Do I like to swim? Do I 
like to, I don't know, go to the gym? Do I like to dance? Whatever it is, like we can come up with a long list of different ways that we get to move our body. But just trying to figure out like, is there anything that we want to try, we want to do? Being very curious with it. There's no judgment. There's no must, right? The same the th- same goes with food. Like there's no one food you absolutely need. There's no one form of movement you actually need. Like if you don't like soccer... <laughs> You don't need to play soccer, right? There's other ways of moving our body. And now it's this exploration phase that we get to start figuring out what we like. And from the place of, you know, good intention, from a place of caring for ourselves, from a place of joy, from a place of mindfulness, and not from a place of disordered eating patterns and eating disorder ways. And this journey of healing your relationship with movement can take time. And we get to allow ourselves that time to allow ourselves to really reconnect connect with the experience of moving. If you are someone who has experienced a lot lot of body disconnection or maybe a lot of trauma, it may take longer for us to get to a place where movement fits in again. And that is all okay. Your journey, your healing, your treatment needs to be personalized to you. And there's no one great best way to do it. It all happens based on what you need, right? And the support that you get. I do believe in this zone that getting support can be quite supportive. Who, who knew support would be supportive? No, but truthfully, I do think that if you, when you're working with the right folks, you do get to do this work and be curious and explore and work on, you know, the ways that we may get stuck in those disordered thoughts and cycles and really heal that relationship with movement. And if you are someone with an eating disorder, it is really important that you do connect with your treatment team before adding exercise. Because again, at the end of the day, your movement routines should really support you. And if it is harming you, if it's harming your body, we really need to check in on how can we modify that? How can we change that? So ultimately, we are moving towards recovery and we are moving towards being able to introduce movement in ways that are a lot safer for you and for your body. And the last part, I want to talk about red flags. So if you are someone who you're like, I don't know if my relationship to movement is that bad or I don't know if it's actually disordered or maybe I feel okay with it or maybe you're like in the process of reintroducing it and you're like what when do I know if it's going well or not well here are a few red flags to consider if you exercise when you are sick or injured that is a red flag a person with a healthy mindset regarding food body and fitness if we are sick and injured our body needs a rest and we're able to take that rest if you have a lot of guilt around taking a rest day that is a red flag if you are extremely rigid with your routine, your your physical activity, that is a red flag. So again, going back to like rigid with the time, the frequency, the duration of your actual workout, the intensity, the type of workout, like if I can't do this exact workout, it's not worth it type of thing. If you're extremely rigid with your routine. So for example, if you had planned to do a movement day on Saturday, but then your mom is doing brunch or whatever, and you're missing brunch because you don't want to miss a workout, for example. So you're like missing out on your social life and life in general for movement. That is also a red flag, right? Movement should empower you to live your life. It shouldn't take over your life. If you're constantly thinking about movement, red flag. If you're using movement as a way to punish yourself or to compensate for foods that you have eaten, red flag. If you're using movement as a way to earn food, red flag. 
And so many of these red flags we've named throughout the podcast as things that kind of indicate that the relationship may be disordered. And if you have some of these red flags, there's no shame. We're being curious over judging and we're just kind of gathering that data. And I do think it's something that if you do work with the dietitians or therapists, please, please bring it up with them. Because I think these are really great ways to kind of explore and see, again, how is your relationship with movement and the impact that it has and maybe things that we need to do differently to make sure that it is supportive for you. I really believe that gaining that awareness can be quite amazing to be able, again, to create a routine and a structure that's going to help you in your own recovery or in the maintaining of your recovery as well. And then the last part I just want to say around this is once we are, you know, in recovery and past movement, we do have to always continue being mindful around fitness messaging and exercise. So something that I have noticed, and I know a lot of clients here at The Bounce Practice notice too, is that when we are reintroducing movement, um, sometimes the space in which we move can be quite triggering still. So just being really aware of those triggers and knowing how we can navigate them and being really aware of different fitness messaging that we may be getting, right? Again, fitness culture is pretty loud. And especially if you work out in a place like a gym where there can be a little bit more of that culture present, a lot of those messages present, we just want to be really aware of what we are consuming in terms of that content. And then also knowing that and, and being aware of what we are internalizing, right? So I remember like, I mean, this still happens to this day, like the gym that I go to, they always have these like different ads and these different like weird ads that are not very body positive that are, I don't know, just very like bro fitness <laughs> type of thing. And every time like I see them, like I just check in like, ah, this is not a message that I believe in. Like this is not something I'm opting into. And really knowing that we do get to opt out of a lot of these harmful messages. And ultimately we get to have have a healthy relationship with movement and enjoy movement and connection. Diet culture and fitness culture do not own movement. Like even outside of diet culture, we get to move our body in the way that feels the best for us. And there is a way to engage in movement and physical fitness that does not involve our eating disorder, disordered eating or diet culture. So just want to leave us on that, that, you know, these health behaviors, sometimes we can start feeling bad or like, oh, is it diet culture? Is it what I want? And we can totally have a great, you know, health routine outside of diet culture. We just want to be really aware and mindful and really stay connected with ourselves and our intention as we are moving through. So I hope that this podcast was helpful. If you are looking for support when it comes to your relationship with food, body, movement, The Balance Practice can be a really great resource for you. So we are a team of dietitians and therapists who do specialize in food relationship and body image. So we work with folks across Ontario and we would love to support you. So you can check out our website at thebalancepractice.com. We are also offering The Balance Program. So The Balance Program is my signature program. It's a six-month online program that was designed to help people heal their relationship with food and their body. We do have a section in there on joyful movement. We even have a health at every size coach in it who like teaches us a little bit more about movement from a health at every size approach. And if you are interested in healing your relationship with food, your body and having me as your support during the six months, you can go check it out. So the website is www.thebalancepractice.com for a slash program. The doors are open right now in October. October, we are accepting a handful of folks inside the program. So if you are interested, you can connect with me, you can sign up on the website. On that note, my friend, I will see you next week in the next podcast episode. Mm-hmm.